Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone. It is July 22nd, 2016, and you're listening to Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And before we get going on today's Friday edition of the show... I want to remind everyone that you can follow us on iTunes. Search Locked On Magic, download us straight to your iTunes-enabled listening device, uh, and give us a rating there, of course, and do all that jazz. You can also find us on Audioboom and Stitcher, so there are lots of options to find Locked On Magic. Also, be sure to check out some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been a guest of Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia. He does a great job covering the Spurs. I'm a huge fan of Locked On Celtics with the Rain and Jays, John Corrales and Jay King. Be sure to check them out. I know our good buddy Chris Barnwall was on Locked On Cavs with Chris Manning. Uh, definitely give that give that a listen to as well. And I mean, we've they've got we've got almost every single team in the NBA now. So if there's any NBA team that you're interested, like uh, hmm, I wonder what's going on uh, with the Chicago Bulls today, or I, I I wonder what's going on with the Utah Jazz, or you know with the, the Golden State Warriors, uh, or I don't know if that one's launched yet, actually, but it's coming. Uh, you know, with the Los Angeles Lakers, with with any team in the NBA, you will be able to find it daily on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search Locked On and the team you're looking for. We're all on Audio Boom. We're, we're all on iTunes now, I believe, so be sure to check that out. On today's show, uh, I'm going to be asking a big question that, that I've had uh, that I asked, that I answered a little bit earlier in the week. Was the Magic's free agent pitch effective? What was the pitch, and what did they get out of it? And uh, I'll break that down just a little bit. I'll also be answering your questions in our weekly mini mailbag. Uh, So I have a few questions that I will try and answer very, very quickly. But before we get going with all that, we do have to address the big news in the NBA yesterday. And and I'm not talking about Tyler Harvey going to play uh, in Europe next season and not with the Erie Bayhawks or the Orlando Magic. I'm talking, of course, about the NBA's decision to move the All-Star game from Charlotte uh, to a place unknown at this point. Uh, it's been well written about and, and certainly much discussed uh, in NBA circles, uh, really around the world. They were just, they, I mean, they were talking about it at the Republican National Convention uh, last night, even on on NPR, where, where I was listening to it, or you know, if you watch CNN, I'm sure they talked about it, NBC. You know, all the stations at least mentioned this, especially with some of the speeches that were given at last night's convention. The NBA tried to put extreme political pressure on the state of North Carolina to repeal House Bill 2. And this is the controversial uh, law that overturned a ordinance within the city of Charlotte that uh, protected LGBTQ rights. Essentially, essentially if you're unfamiliar with the story, Charlotte passed a law that, specific, that specifically included LGBTQ uh, residents within their anti-discrimination policies, and uh, North Carolina held a special session to bar cities and counties from passing such legislation. It's essentially saying that it's only state province. And 
the big talking point about this whole thing has been, it's been sort of dubbed the bathroom law because one of the protections Charlotte gave to its citizens was the protection to be allowed to go into the bathroom of their chosen gender identity or, or be of their gender identity. I don't want to say chosen. Um, this isn't the place to debate whether that law is right or not. Um, I've gotten drawn into some debates like that. Uh, I would highly, I know where I stand on it. Um, I would highly encourage anyone who, who, wants to, who wants to know more or has an opinion to be sure to understand both sides of the issue and to really think about the, the civil rights um, implications involved in it. Uh, as well as some of the, some of the, the yeah, I mean, just, just understand, just, just make sure you understand before you go around judging people, why people feel the way they do and, and make your own decisions. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how I feel, the NBA made a stand, a strong political stand to say, we do not agree with this law. We feel that it discriminates against LGBTQ uh, members of our society and so we are going. We're we're going to threaten to pull the All Star Game if this bill is not overturned. This, you know, I've got some arguments about whether this is the proper strategy for a business. And certainly, as I'm going to explain in a little bit, there is a little bit of a slippery slope that that goes into this. Um, but to me, this is a proper exertion of economic force. This is a proper exertion of uh, a business trying to get what it wants from government. This, this is done everywhere. I mean, you look at, I, I was listening to a, a Planet Money podcast about how Applebee's played Missouri and Kansas off each other for tax breaks for their, for their headquarters before they finally just moved to California. This is done numerous places for, politi for political favors and political advantages for businesses. Um, this, is this is essentially the same concept. The NBA doesn't like a law. They threaten, they threaten to move until the law is changed. If the law doesn't change, you, you go through with the threat. And that's essentially what the, what the NBA did here. Um, it's, it's certainly a noble and worthy political stand. I support it. I think it's the right decision by the NBA. And I hope that North Carolina repeals that law and they get the All-Star Game back in 2019. It's, it's, the NBA All-Star Game will be back in Charlotte. This is an extraordinary circumstance uh, that caused them to move. That caused them to move and take a stand. And, and certainly, the NBA will not be back until until this law is repealed. Now, so the next question, of course, then is where does the All Star Game go from here? Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical reports that New Orleans has emerged as kind of the front runner. Um, there are a few other candidates. There still remains a huge push to bring the All Star Game to Orlando as a replacement for Charlotte and sort of as a symbol of solidarity with the LGBTQ community. And like I said, when this idea first got floated around, uh, when it became uh, when it became clear that the NBA was very very serious about pulling the All Star Game from Charlotte, it's it is a very very kind gesture, and I think that for for a lot of people it makes a ton of sense. There was a mass shooting of and a mass shooting and an attack on the LGBTQ community by a lone gunman. Um, I'm taking that political stance, by the way. I by the way, um, you can say what you want about me later, but that's that's how I'm describing it. I'm sorry. Uh, but there was an attack on the LGBTQ community in Orlando. Uh, everything in the town is still very much rainbow-colored, and, and the city has, has shown a lot of strong support, including from the sports teams. Uh, and, and the Orlando Magic have been a big part of that. However, as I have explained numerous times, while I think it is a very kind gesture... 
Orlando is not the right place to host this All-Star game. And unfortunately, it is because of the, the person and the family that owns the Orlando Magic. I, again, encourage you to do a little bit of research into this. I, I encourage people to, to look this up and kind of understand it. Um, certainly, I know there are people that cannot stand Rich DeVos and his, political, and his family's political views. And... Uh, if and they don't, they, I mean, there is an active boycott on the Orlando Magic by uh, a a uh, a prominent gay rights group, and there should be, to be frank, uh, unless DeVos has, has truly changed his, his political action and activities. Um, the DeVos family, not just Rich DeVos, but but many members of the DeVos family have donated aggressively in campaigns to prevent marriage equality, whether it's uh, shooting down shooting down ballot initiatives to approve of marriage equality or passing constitutional amendments to ban marriage equality uh, for for gay couples in, in particular to me it sent to me it sends the wrong message to the LGBTQ community to say we are taking this stand for you and moving this game from from Charlotte where a law was specifically passed to prevent you from anti-discrimination policies and we're going to get, going to give it to the team that is owned by the guy that has fought tooth and nail to prevent your right to your right to get married. To me, that sends the wrong message. Maybe people don't know don't know about this, but believe me, people are going to bring it up. I brought it up. It, 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 it the optics just don't look good, and I don't. And if you're going to make a political stand, that's not the political stand. That's not the political message you want to make. I think it makes. I think it dulls the the message, and frankly. If they were going to give the All-Star game to the DeVos family and to the Orlando Magic, why move it from Charlotte to begin with? Uh, that's, that's just my opinion. Certainly, there are some economics involved. I think Orlando could certainly host the All-Star game on short notice. We've got the hotel rooms. We've got the convention space. We've got the ability to do it. Uh, I think construction in and around downtown Orlando would be a problem, uh, but not one that the, that they, that the city couldn't overcome. We're, actually, we're hosting WrestleMania in April, so it's not like we can't host major events. The Pro Bowl will be here in January. Um, while that is at Camping World Stadium and not downtown proper, it's not like Orlando can't host major events, but I do think that plays a factor into it as well. Uh, although New Orleans may not be the perfect host, I think New Orleans uh, is another city that can host it on short notice, do a good job, send the right, pl- send the right political message, because frankly, they could also... Make it a, they, they could also hit some other social issues as well and make this a very kind of politically conscious all-star game. Uh, and so I think New Orleans would be a perfect place for the all-star game to move. Um, again, this is not, again, to say that Charlotte or Orlando are disqualified from ever hosting all-star games again. Uh, I think Orlando's plan is to bid on the all-star game in 2019 and 2020 when the entertainment complex is complete. Construction on that has actually just begun as well. So there's a lot of construction in and around the Amway Center right now uh, that could make it difficult to host a, a major event like the All-Star Game. Uh, but we will see what happens. The NBA has obviously made this decision. They've done a ton of research. I, I, I imagine that they didn't uh, move the game from Charlotte uh, without thinking things through just a little bit. Sorry, that went on a little bit long. I, I, I do want to make sure I get those points out and across. Um, it, it is important. Uh, again, I, I encourage people to... To, to understand both sides of the argument. Don't just kind of go to your corner and, and bunker down. Reach out. Try and understand. Try and work together. That's, that's what makes this country great. Um, not 
you know, kind of living in fear of anything or, or being unwilling to listen. So um, I'll get off my, my soapbox there uh, and get back to some Magic basketball a little bit here and ask my big question of the day, was the Orlando Magic's free agent pitch effective? And, you know, you look at who the Magic got, you know, you, you look at what the Magic did entering the summer. They cleared a lot of cap room, and they, they had this young team that, that feels like it's on the cusp of making the playoffs and decided to make their pitch to free agents, to, to big free agents. Uh, and so what was their pitch? Now, certainly part of it was the, the city of Orlando itself. We've got sunshine, good weather, you know, really good weather, good place to raise a family, uh, no state income tax, all those factors. They've got the Amway Center, you know, world-class, top-notch facility in the NBA. They've got, uh, they've got a young team with a lot of promising players. To me, though, the, the biggest thing that they had to pitch, though, was the, the direction their team is trying to go. Uh, the, the, that's the thing they, had, they really had to pitch. Um, because ultimately, and Frank Vogel said this as much as anyone else, free agents care most about winning. And the Orlando Magic have done better about it. They've, they've, gone, they've, they've slowly progressed up. But my concern when they entered this, this I've called it a gambit, this, this decision to attack free agency, um, my problem with that decision has always kind of been this team isn't ready to attract a big-name free agent. Who's going to come here? So many people ask me leading into free agency, are the Magic going to, it, going to call Kevin Durant? And I said, they'll probably give him a call, but he's probably going to hang up pretty quickly. The Magic had no chance at him. Even Al Horford, I was very skeptical that they would have a shot at Al Horford. And he was a guy that, that Magic fans thought that Orlando was targeting, and many people thought... The Magic were specifically targeting. Well, it turns out Al Horford was way out of their league. There's, there's no way if I'm Al Horford, I'm picking the Magic over the Celtics at his stage of his career unless winning's not important to him. And if that's the case, do you really want that player to begin with? Free agency is about selling a player on committing to a team long term. And a number of factors obviously go into it. But to me, it, it, for a lot of the free agents that you really want, winning is the most important. Do, do, does that player want to join your team because he thinks they can win a championship? Now, who the Magic got was certainly a good haul. Bismack Biombo, Jeff Green, DJ Augustin, uh, is a good haul. And I think the Magic traded for Serge Ibaka with the thought of, let's bring in someone a little more established so that when we sell ourselves to free agents, they will see that we're committed to bringing in a more veteran group and helping this team take the next step without actually having the proof to do so. And that makes it tough. You've got to make someone believe. And, and you know, maybe this is a weakness of Rob Hennigan's, but I also, I, at 35 wins, it's tough for me to say any major free agent is going to believe in this group. Not yet. They have to prove it. And so I think the Magic did a good job keeping some flexibility for next year. I think the Magic should still be able to create some cap space uh, to go after a big-name free agent. But at the same time, they've got to prove it on the court first. And if they can do that, they, they can be 
you know, they, they can take that next step up. That's, that's how you take your step up. Um, so, so, was the Magic's free agency pitch effective then? In some ways, I think it was. Orlando got, got the guy they apparently were after in Bismack Biombo. They got a guy who uh, can change the game with his defensive ability and, and certainly got a guy that was a little bit of a risk. I think one thing I talked about is the Magic may have to overpay and take a risk on a guy in order to take the next step. And we all thought that could be Chandler Parsons or Harrison Barnes. It turned out to be Bismack Biombo. It's hard for me to say without knowing exactly who the Magic chased after to know whether their pitch was, was, was completely successful or not, whether they had the thing to offer the guys they really wanted. I think the Magic are still very much in the same position they were last year in, in, in many ways. They are in a position where they need to prove to the NBA that they're not just a team with a bright future, that their future is down that they're ready to make the playoffs, they're ready to win games consistently, and they're ready to take that next step as a team, as an organization. Adding Frank Vogel was a huge step. Adding Serge Ibaka was a huge step. But as I've talked about on this podcast before, there are still so many questions about this team that need to be answered. And how the Magic go about answering them on the court throughout the season I think is going to determine whether next year's free agency pitch is effective or not. Uh, and obviously, it's it's a it's a huge question. Um, you know, we'll be writing this article again next year probably because I don't know if the Magic will have max cap space. I'm I'm sure they'll find a way to to squeeze that out. Um, certainly, Jeff Green's depending on what they do with Jeff Green, they could they could you know clear his cap hold off the books pretty pretty quickly. Um, this this is going to be a a big big year for, obviously it feels like a make or break year for Rob Hennigan. It feels like it has to be a playoffs or bust year. Um, it, it is all of that. And if the Magic can win, you add in all those outside elements, the the city, the you know state income tax issue, the, the coaching, you know, you add all those outside things in and you have a winning team, then you really can begin selling free agents on, on your team and on your, on your squad. So I, I, I don't know if the free agency pitch was effective or not, uh, but it certainly was it, it, it certainly was incomplete. That what they had to offer wasn't what they need to offer because again, as Frank Vogel said, free agents want to win. They either want to get pay, overpaid a little bit so they can step up in a role, or they want to win. And the Magic didn't get the big fish because they weren't ready to win yet, or at least they hadn't proven they were they were winners quite yet. So I'm going to close today's show again with our mini Magic Mailbag. Uh, thanks to those who submitted questions to, uh, to me on Twitter using the hashtag, using the hashtag LockedOnMagic. Uh, you can always submit questions to me on Twitter. Follow me at OmagicDaily and submit your questions uh, to the podcast via hashtag LockedOnMagic. I'll either answer them immediately or save them for the mini mailbag. Um, I have two questions I'm going to answer today uh, from Kent at KCross1317. He asks, I really see a lot of talent in Hazonia. When do, you, when do you think we see management give this talented kid more minutes? Um, I think a big part of the Frank Vogel hire and um, a lot of the things the Magic did were to make sure Mario Hazonia gets more minutes. I think 
Uh, Frank Vogel is is, a, is somewhat of a similar coach to Scott Skiles in that he preaches defense. He gets guys to play really hard for him. Uh, but he's very different in his demeanor, and I think he's very different in how he believes in developing young players. You look at Miles Turner last year. Miles Turner uh, struggled a lot at the beginning of the season, but he didn't get sat on the bench. He didn't get like kind of locked to the bench. Turner was given the freedom, even on a winning team, to make mistakes. I think, like I've said before, I think Scott Skiles' problem, and this is something we all should have known because he's done this everywhere he went, Skiles' problem sometimes is he didn't see the forest for the trees. He's so focused on winning an individual game that if you just don't have it that night and you can't help him or he can't trust you, you're going to be sitting on the bench. It took Aaron Gordon a little while to get Scott Skiles' trust. It did. Hazonia just never got his trust. And while if you watched Hazonia last year, I think he did get better as the year went on, um, but it was all very subtle things. Uh, he was. It still felt like he was afraid to do anything because he thought if he made a mistake, he'd get yanked out of the game. That You can't have anyone playing like that. I think a big directive from the Magic was, you've got to play Mario Azonia. We think he's the future of our team. You've got to let him play, let him make some mistakes, and develop a little bit. I think Vogel is going to let Hazonia do that. Hazonia at this point is pretty much the sixth man. Uh, you know, depending on depending on what happens with Nikola Vucevic, Hazonia to me is the Magic's sixth man. If however you want to define that role, I think he's going to play a big role off the bench. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes both at the two and the three off the bench, and the Magic are going to rely on him to to be a spark uh, in the second and fourth quarters, like like we've like we've been discussing. A big thing the Magic are trying to do this year to make the playoffs is to uh, is to to uh, kind of overwhelm teams with numbers. They're trying to uh, make sure that their starters and their reserves are pretty are both relatively productive, so that they can constantly defend well, make it hard for you to score, and keep a consistent level of offense, so that they can they can keep pace themselves. Um, Hazonia is going to be a big part of that. I think we'll see him on the ball a lot a lot more. Uh, he's obviously got some playmaking ability. I think they're going to trust him. A li- they're going to trust him a lot more. Uh, I, I do believe he got better as the season went on. His defense pers- specifically got a lot better. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year we're we're talking about trying to say, well, how are we going to start Mario Hazonia with this lineup that we have? I think that's going to be something legitimate that we discuss as this. As the, I hope that's something legitimate that we discuss as the season goes on. But I think it very well could happen that we are talking and thinking about how are the Magic going to get Mario Hazonia even more minutes than what he's getting this year. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I see a lot of talent in Hazonia. Um, it, it, it's going to still take some time. They, they knew he was a little bit of a project, uh, but I think he has skills that can translate pretty immediately. Um, I think Skiles just kept too tight of a leash on him last year, and I think it stunted him a little bit. Uh, I think Vogel will let him play, kind of give him more regular minutes, talk to him and instruct him, but allow him to make mistakes and learn from them on the court rather than uh, kind of inconsistently. So uh, thanks thanks again, Kent, for the question. I, I definitely see uh, Mario getting more minutes. Uh, from Ringo at MagicMan816, he asks, do you think if a Baca-Vooch combo works out that we end up trading Bismack instead of Vooch at the deadline? I, I don't think that will be the case. Um. It's going to be very, very difficult to trade Bismack Biombo this year. Um, he signed a four-year, seventeen million, four-year deal that pays him seventeen million dollars across the board. So at least it's a fixed cost. Um, 
I'm sure the Magic will shop him around, but teams typically don't like taking on long-term money in trades like that. Not unless, like, Biombo's really good or someone says, you know, we need a starting center that bad, we will do that. Um, certainly it's possible that if the Vucibaca combo works, the Magic will say, oh, no, we don't need this Biombo guy anymore. Uh, it's certainly possible. And, 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 you know, I don't think there's really any player on the Magic that's totally untradeable. I would say Aaron Gordon and, and Barrio Azonia are probably the two closest. Honestly, if the Ibaka-Vooch combo works out really, really well, it might flip. And the Magic might say, maybe we should just trade Ibaka. He's an expiring deal. We, if we're not planning to re-sign him anyway, we need to get something for him. And try a Biombo-Vucevic combo. We don't know if I don't know if that can work. I, I'm not sold that that can work because I don't like Vucevic guarding power forwards. Um, Diombo might be able to do that. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but I'm sure we will see at some point a Biombo-Vucevic uh, frontcourt pairing just to see if it works. Certainly in the preseason, I expect to see it at least once um, to, to see if it works. Uh, but it's very, very possible. The only reason I think we all note that Vuce is the guy to deal is because he's got two years on an extension that was a bargain for the la- for the old salary cap, for the sal- for the 70 million salary cap. Uh, he is an extreme bargain, and I think that makes him uh, a huge value. Uh, to, to, to bring that point back home, the reason the Pistons traded for Tobias Harris, even though it was the first year of his new contract, was because that contract was made under the old salary cap. The Pistons essentially viewed Tobias Harris as their free agency acquisition. Maybe there's another team that believes in Biombo that much to do that, depending on, how, again, it all depends on how, how players play. That may, but may, maybe there's a team that believes in Biombo enough to say, you know, we would have given him that contract anyway. We'll, we'll go ahead and take him, and he's our free agency signing for this year. Um, I highly doubt it at this point, um, e- even if that scenario happens. Uh, Vucevic is still the more marketable player, probably the guy that you're going to get more for. Uh, if you're trading Biombo, you're probably getting young guys and expiring deals. You're probably not going to get a star in return again, unless Biombo really is that good, and we don't we don't know how, know that. Uh, so, I would say yes, yes, that scenario is possible that the Magic could could try and shop Biombo instead of Vucevic. Uh, from an ease and from a kind of optics per, per you know perspective, that you know we know Vucevic struggles on defense. Uh, you know, unless there's a drastic change, Vucevic seems to be the guy the Magic are, are more likely than not going to be shopping uh, come deadline time. But we'll see. we got to let the season play out. I, I, again, like I've always said, I, I don't think anything is kind of written in stone uh, when it comes to this. So don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, we've talked a lot about it. Don't make it seem like, uh, like it's set in stone or that, that it's definitely going to happen. There's still a lot of moving pieces to go. So thank you guys for the questions. Uh, I want to make sure uh, everyone checks out the latest episode of the Orlando Magic Daily podcast. Me and OrlandoMagicDaily.com staff writer Ryan Doyle uh, discuss the Orlando Magic's offseason, where it leaves them, and some of the big questions on the team. And and like we were just talking about, we break down what the Nikola Vucevic trade market looks like and whether the whether the Vucevic, Ibaka, Biombo triumvirate can can work for this team or or whether eventually it's gonna it's gonna have it's gonna fall apart and has to be split up in some way. Um, 
Again, you can check us out on iTunes. If you listen to iTunes and you have your podcast settings set up to play newest to oldest, stay tuned after this show for the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast with Ryan Doyle and myself. Uh, if you're on, if you listen on Audio Boom and Stitcher, you got to go click that separately. I believe maybe you can listen to it straight on Stitcher. I don't quite know how Stitcher works, but we're on those sites. Give us a review on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. Check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. There are some really, really, really good ones with some fantastic perspectives on each team in the league. So any team you're looking for, you should be able to find them uh, and give give that a listen as well. I want everyone to have a great weekend. Happy Pokemon Go hunting. Uh, I know you want to do that. I've gotten so, so much great response, uh, so I'm happy to, to wrap up another week here on Locked On Magic. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who listens. Uh, it's been a fantastic, fantastic ride, uh, and just it's been a lot of fun doing these shows as well. So thank you all for listening to Locked On Magic. Have a great weekend. Uh, we will see you on Monday. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.